Welcome to the Bicycle Touring Pro Podcast. My name is Sam. I'm super excited to bring you today's episode with Eric Cedeno, aka The Bicycle Nomad. Eric's been an inspiration to me and countless cyclists, and this conversation doesn't disappoint. But first, the Bicycle Touring Pro Podcast is brought to you by the Bicycle Touring Pro Store at biketourshop.com or bicycletouringpro.com and just navigate to the store. Your support of the BTP store helps keep the podcast and website running. We've got books, Ortlieb products, and all kinds of great gifts for the holiday season. Plus, use the code PODCAST for 10% off your purchase. Finally, please consider subscribing and leaving a review for the Bicycle Touring Pro podcast to help others find the show. Without further ado, my conversation with Eric Cedeno. Eric, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you for having me, uh, Sam. This is this is great. I am so excited. Um, yeah, glad Wonderful. to be here. All right. Well, I'm just curious about kind of the origin story for the bicycle nomad. So, do you want to just give me give give me and the listeners a rundown of you know how did you get started with bikes? Give give me the origin story. Where you're from and uh, yeah. and what what got you where you are today? Long story, but um, I could go back to when I lived in Philadelphia. I grew up in Miami and then after college moved to Philadelphia and I was getting tickets left and right in the city of brotherly love because you, you can't park in one street and then they plowed the next street and that kind of stuff. And I, I just moved there. So I didn't know. And so I, I, I gave up on cars. Right. But another thing is I wanted to save money uh, right out of college. I couldn't save money to travel. Like I went down to rent. I, uh, rent, you got to pay rent. So I couldn't save on that food. I love to, I love to eat. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not going to cut down on that. But the next thing online was uh, my car. My car was costing me a lot, yeah. you know, uh, tickets, uh, maintenance, uh, insurance, gas. And I was like, here it is. I just, you know, I live in a city which is uh, walkable mm -hmm. and, 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 and you could ride your bike everywhere because I live downtown and work downtown. So I didn't see the purpose of having a car. So I gave up my car and fell in love with bike. Fell in love with bike, just commuting. Then it came down to doing triathlons. So okay. I moved to Miami after 10 years and I was doing some triathlons in Miami, which I love because I, I, I grew up as a swimmer and also running long distance. So I started doing triathlons, but then it wasn't enough because I would get bored of competing and seeing the same things, you know, my spirit needs new things to see new things. And and that's how I fell in love with traveling by bike, because my first trip was like from Miami to Key West, about 155 miles. And I didn't take no time. I just did it all in one day. Wow. And then the, the next day I, 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 I rode my bike back. And that was <laughs> the last time that I've ever done 155 miles back to back. That's a pretty and then big I decided, first trip. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was a long trip and I didn't know. <laughs> that I needed it to cut it in between. Like the next time I did it, I sliced the trip in half. So um, took me instead of, instead of going 155 one way, I did it in two days and 155 coming back. The next day I did it in two days. So it was a four day trip and I fell in love with it. One time I had a meeting in Atlanta and I decided, I wonder if I could travel from Atlanta back to Miami. <laughs> and this is just the, the, the initial of traveling by bike for me. And I packed my bike, went up there on a one way, had my meeting. And I told the company who I was working for at the time that I was 
going to ride my bike back home. <laughs> so the interesting thing was like, they didn't know how long the meeting was going to be. So when the meeting was over, they decided, hey, we could purchase your one-way ticket back. And I'm like, no, I'm riding my bike back. But if you could pay for my trip, the equivalent, whatever it is, if it's $250 to go back home, I'll take $250 um, <laughs> as cash yeah. so I could purchase food. And they were like, honestly, we never heard of anyone traveling by bike back home. But let's figure it out how <laughs> we could work it out on an accounting-wise. So accounting, figure it out an hour later. They, they cut me a check for $250 and, and, you're off. <laughs> and I'm off. So it was great on that trip. I started thinking about, okay, what's next and how long can I go and, and where can I go? And I started dreaming of routes. So my first route, my first initial long distance was uh, from Vancouver, Canada to Tijuana, Mexico along the Pacific wow. Coast Highway. And that's where everything started. And the following year, I decided I wanted to go from Miami where I was living at the time all the way up to New York City. And on that trip, Sam, I fell in love not only by traveling by bike, but I've always loved history since I was a kid. And I was I was traveling through history on that route in Georgia, South Carolina, you know, the history of, 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 of Civil War. And then when I got to Virginia and I went into Jamestown and I'm like, whoa, this is Jamestown. I read about this on books, right? And then I went to D.C. and and, and the history of D.C. and the museum in D.C. And I'm like, this is it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to merge both of my love, which is traveling by bike and um, history. So in 2014, I went from New Orleans, Louisiana, up to Niagara Falls, Canada, to retrace the history of the Underground Railroad. And that's when uh, I realized that I wanted more people to, to see what I have seen, uh, that I'm seeing, and also to experience the kindness of people along the way. You know, I'm mm -hmm. a person of color and to travel through Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, Tennessee, uh, all those states, my family and friends and families were like, dude, are you crazy? Like, yeah. um, and, and actually it was the opposite. You know, when I got to Kentucky, I realized that people were really kind from tra traveling from Louisiana up to Kentucky. And I remember clearly in 2014, going through Kentucky, and I'm like, man, if I could get more people to travel by bike, they could see and feel what I'm feeling right now. And 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 that's where Bicycle Nomad came about, because I didn't know how to inspire or motivate people to travel by bike, other than creating uh, Bicycle Nomad. And that's when I jumped in on social media for, for five years. I wasn't on social media, but a friend of mine told me about Instagram. And that I should um, use Instagram to inspire people to travel by bike. And that's how Bicycle Nomad um, came about. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, we, we have listeners from all across the world, um, obviously, because our, our website and such is focused on traveling, not just the United States, but the world. So I, I know what the Underground Railroad is, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that some folks who are listening maybe from other countries might not, or maybe they've heard it, but they don't know the details. Can you just, for, for those folks, just give, give a quick synopsis of, of what the Underground Railroad is and was yeah. in the United States? And then I also just want to hear kind of what inspired you to to then take that and then make a, a bike trip out of it, which is incredible. Yeah. So the, the Underground Railroad was uh, many routes that enslaved Africans were used to escape plantations and slavery and to escape north towards Canada because Canada 
had abolished uh, slavery, and that's where freedom was. You know, even in the U.S. back then, there were slave states and free uh, states. But you really were not free until you got up to Canada. And that's where uh, a lot of freedom seekers found their freedoms. And there was a combination of, of routes, right? But not only routes, houses, businesses, churches. Well, um, that's how were people, we call them underground railroad stations, but they were not stations. They were places sure. where people <laughs> were able to stay safe a safe house, a safe house, correct. So they could escape towards um, toward Canada, and that's um, and and that fascinated me. That the history of of the Underground Railroad always fascinated me because of the resilience of people. You know, we human beings, we all know what freedom is, right? So I always love freedom, and I love what 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 we have done as human beings to find freedom and. Again, as a person of color, I wanted to pay homage to to freedom seekers that took this route. And what inspired me was uh, not only the history, but there was a particular song. Like I mentioned, there was different routes to escape to to Canada, but there was a particular song called Follow the Drinking Gourd. And you could look it up on YouTube. Follow the Drinking Gourd was a spiritual song, but not only a song that uh, slaves and freedom seekers will sing in plantation. There were actually, it was actually a GPS. <laughs> it was a GPS called Follow the Drinking Gourd that would tell people and will pass down in plantations. So a lot of people didn't know how to read and write, but they knew how to sing and listen. Yeah. So it was a GPS. And literally the song says, follow the Tennessee River to the Ohio River and follow the Big Dipper which is the North Star into Canada. And I literally followed that same route. Wow. So most of the time I, I will camp out at the banks of the Tennessee, the Ohio River, and then again, follow the, the Big Dipper, the, the, the North Star into Canada. So the, so the song was a, a, a map of sorts of uh, directions. A hundred percent. And that's just, how it was passed along. It was passed along that way. Yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, that's why it was called Underground Railroad. It wasn't yeah. a railroad per se, but it was very underground where a lot of people didn't know how things operated. As a matter of fact, they had conductors. So it's so interesting because Underground Railroad had, again, it wasn't a railroad, but it had the terminology of a railroad. So the person that was the guy was called a guy, uh, a conductor. And the conductor did not know the whole route. The conductor only knew about two or three safe houses in front of him because they didn't want people to know the whole route because again, it was very underground. Could be compromised, yeah. It could compromise the underground railroad. But then also the, the safe houses were called uh, railroad stations. And, and yeah, that again, it, to me, it's a fascinating story of resilient and, and, and people looking for freedom. It's incredible. So talking now about, about the trip itself, where, where did that start? Because I'm, I'm curious, are there, is there only one route that was universal? Or I, I have to imagine there's, there's branches of it almost, right? Um, all around the South. So how did you kind of decide... The, the exact route you're going to take and, and what was the route that, that you ended up taking? You're correct. There, there were branches. There were many routes that led to freedom and into Canada. I wanted to go a route that, that Venture Cycling built from Mobile, Alabama. And Mobile was uh, a port where a lot of slaves came in. So I wanted to pay homage to the whole history of, of slavery and, 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 and underground railroads. So 
I was looking for a place where that had a significant, and Mobile, Mobile Alabama was that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Cotilda, which is the last ship that came into, the last registered ship that came into the U.S. came through Mobile, Alabama. And I thought, well, Mobile, Alabama will be a great place to start, but I particularly love New Orleans and I love the history of New Orleans and I also love the food of New Orleans and I love the coffee in New Orleans. (laughs) And before I do all these trips that I've done in the past, it's also I'm taking 30 days out of my time or 40 days or 50 days out of my time to not research history, but also to celebrate life. And I've always looked into I I like going into a city like New Orleans and and eat the best food and drink the best coffee there is. So but I also knew that New Orleans had a a rich history um, with slavery. And I it my my trip started at Congo Square. Congo Square is based in New Orleans and and it's a place where um, enslaved Africans would go on Sundays for to create marketplace. It was like a marketplace where people were able to exchange goods and services, but also keep their history and their customs alive. And they would play drums and sing in this plaza called Congo Square. So I was like, that would be a good place where yeah. I would like to start my trip. And that's where I started, out of Congo Square. That's awesome. And then wh- where did you head north from there? So I did this trip in 2014 and 2020, and I did I did it very similar. But instead of going north, I went east towards Mobile, Alabama, because there's uh, a lot of history in Mobile, like mm-hmm. I mentioned. Ports, there's actually a place where it still has uh, a historical plaque called, it was a a slave market. So I went there. And again, I wanted to pay homage. And when I when I ride my bike through history, I'm not just riding my bike. I'm stopping at these historical places to reflect. For me, it's also about connecting with those people that travel the same route. So uh, we call them ancestor. And I sit down and meditate and talk to them because I know that a lot of the history I know is through books. But I also know that a lot of the books do not tell the whole story. And there's always gaps, uh, especially when it comes to to that era and especially when it comes to people of color. So I like to connect with them and I sit down in these places and I meditate and I talk to them and I say, you know, especially conductors of the Underground Railroad, like Harriet Tubman, right, who is one of my, my heroes. And I talked to her and said, tell me what happened here, right? She didn't travel the exact routes, but she traveled the Underground Railroad and was one of the most uh, famous conductors of the Underground Railroad. So I call out names of different conductors and say, what do you think happened here? Tell me more. Tell me this history. And that's how I connect. And that's why it's so important for me to travel through history and take the time because I could actually just look at a park or look at an Underground Railroad station house or, and I could just continue riding. But I make an effort to stop and, and and connect to freedom seekers that travel the same routes. And, and it's been amazing because experiences happen that I'm like, how did this happen? How I ended up in this house? Why, how I ended up talking to this person? And then I realized that I asked for this, right? Because I'm constantly asking freedom seekers that travel the same route or freedom fighters yeah. that travel the same route. So yeah. That's incredible. So, I mean, one of the things that we talk about a lot is um, you can drive a place, right? You can, you can fly somewhere, but there's, there's something different about pedaling your own power to, to travel a place. It's just, 
it's a different feeling, right? It's a different experience when you're moving yourself on, on, on two wheels or however many wheels you have. Right. But, um, when it's, when it's, when it's powered by, by you, that the, the travel and the experience is just, it, it's a whole nother level. A hundred percent for me is like I mentioned, uh, I'm able to connect to the land. I'm able to connect to people at a, at a slower pace. And that's, that's the reason why I started traveling by bike. I was so interested in, um, on my first trip that I wanted to see the whole country by bike and i've done it except for alaska i've seen everything but but i'm it's the only way to travel where you're able to use your five senses i always say that right like <laughs> i've never heard i that wake before. up That's great yeah i <laughs> i wake up in the morning right i'm riding through kentucky which is actually one of the most beautiful states and yeah. one of my favorite states to travel because you could smell you could smell the tobacco and the and the barns right mm-hmm. and you could smell the grass right so and then you're able to see the tobacco you're able to see the grass you're able to see the cows and then you're able to talk to people and like it's it's, again it's the only way to travel where you could use all your five senses and i i love that it's the only way that you know i've always wondered what keeps me going back you know because it's also challenging right Um, mentally physically spiritually traveling through through history but i always said that is the is is the way that i stay alive because um when i traveled I feel alive, you know, not, not to say that I'm not, I don't feel alive when I'm talking to you or if I'm talking to my wife and all that. Yeah. I feel alive there, but it's the sense of, um, again, when I'm using all my senses and, uh, I feel alive and it's so, yeah, it's, uh, I think that's the, the thing that takes me back every year on the road is that sense of feel alive, yeah. you know? Oh, that's yeah. great. I, I want to get to your next project as well, but first, I you know you said something about uh, part of this as well as meeting the people and talking to the people. I'm, I'm sure you have you know too too many stories, but is there anything mm-hmm. any any specific stories or examples that stick out yeah. from? From that trip specifically of, of talking to someone or meeting someone that was uh, special for you? Yeah, definitely. This will take a different <laughs> uh, different episodes, but <laughs> but I have three in particular um, that that I could share because of our time. But look, a lot of my friends and family were concerned because I'm traveling through the back countries of Louisiana again, uh, Alabama and Mississippi, and as a person of color, they were like, "Just be careful, right?" Yeah. So I uh, live in Louisiana to. Mobile, Alabama takes about two days. It's about 150 miles, give or take. And I knew I was going to encounter a gravel road that it was going to be about an hour and a half of that gravel and that I was going to run out of water because I've only had like three bottles. There was nothing in this dirt road. There was no no houses, just a dirt road. And all of a sudden, I see a pickup truck that passes my uh, by me. And at this point, I've ran out of water. I'm drinking my saliva just to ease the pain and about a hundred or 200 feet from me, this pickup truck stops and start reversing. And I'm like, Oh shoot, maybe this is what my friends and family were talking about. So there was no one, I haven't seen any cars. All of a sudden this car stops and start reversing. And I just got out of my car, uh, out of my, my bike. And as they got close to me, as this pickup truck got next to me, they lower the window and and, and they say, hey, where are you going? Like, we're just wondering because we saw you like 50 miles south of here. And obviously, as a as a person that tours, you know, I have all kinds of like bags, bags and, yeah. and all my <laughs> gear. So they were just interested. Right. And, you know, so I say I'm going from New Orleans and I'm heading up to Canada. And she said, on your bike. And I say, yeah. 
And then the driver says, hey, we have a cooler full of water. Do you want some water? And I'm like, shit, I literally, my, te- my eyes got <laughs> teared because I'm like, who travels with a cooler full of water? First of all, I know I don't, unless I'm going to the beach or something like that. These people had a cooler full of water. They were cutting grass. That's one thing. That's why they had uh, uh, a cooler full of water. And they just happened to buy, p- pass by and they were just curious. And they offered me pretty much anything that I wanted to drink. I, I uh-huh. must have drank like 20 bottles. And then I filled all my bottles, my water bottles, and, and we hugged. And they left and I hugged them because I, I realized they were trail angels, right? That they yeah. were put in front of me to, to carry me through the next level. And that is the reason why I communicate and, and I say, hey, just keep me safe, right? Keep me safe. You, you travel through the same routes of the Underground Railroad. Please keep me safe and tell me the story of the Underground Railroad. And, and uh, people appear like that. And uh, another instance, when I get to, I remember I was going to Mississippi, heading up to Tennessee, and I wanted to change my route because I didn't want to go Western Kentucky. I wanted to go straight up to Louisville and because there was a lot of history of the Underground Railroad in Louisville and across the bridge in, in Southern Indiana and then into Ohio. So I was like, I'm just going to go straight up. But I needed a, a a place where I could use the Wi-Fi and wash my clothes and all that stuff. So in Mississippi, I reached out to I reached out to um, Warm Showers host and and I said, Hey, I I need a place where I could uh, stay for a couple of days to reroute my my route uh, my, my expedition and. And the person said, oh, yeah, just stay. And this is Clarksville, Tennessee. And in Clarksville, Tennessee, I arrived the next day. And the person was like, hey, what are you up to? And I'm saying, I'm traveling from Louisiana up to Niagara Falls, Canada. I'm retracing the history of the Underground Railroad. And he said, oh, wow, I, I love history and I got something to show you. Why don't you go ahead and join us for dinner? But, you know, if you want to get ready and take a shower and all that stuff, join us. I joined them and immediately the guy say, I'm going to go into the basement. I got something to show you. And then he come up from the basement. And now if you're following, this person was not part of my research. I was not going to stop at this house. It was just the day before I decided to reroute and I just needed a place to, to shower. I needed a place to do laundry. I needed a place to um, use a Wi-Fi. And he says, I have 1840s and 1850s account ledgers of uh, my family. He said, I'm not proud of this, but it's still our history. We used to own slaves in Southern Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And I have the accounting ledgers of, of, of that plantation. I'm like, wow. It's, so I'm now, Sam, I'm looking at physical history, right? Because when you travel through the Underground Railroad, all you're going to see in the bottom states and the southern states are plantations and things like that, that um, that is part of the history. But not until you get to Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania and New York is when you see actual physical buildings of the Underground Railroad. So but it was the first time that I'm looking at accounting ledgers yeah. from 1840s, 1850s and the name of people, how much they pay for the people. So it was just fascinating. It was um, for me, I actually stayed two or three days at this house just doing that kind of research. And and the last story, I mean, again, we have stories to tell you over no, and got, over. But, we got time. <laughs> but I have one more when I'm uh, about 10 miles south of Columbus, Ohio. 
I see a monk uh, watering his plant and I'm like, oh, I need some water. So I'm going <laughs> to ask him so, some water. And I asked the monk, hey, may I have some uh, water from your host to fill up my bottles? He said, oh, we have some cold waters. Um, you know, we have a, a cold water filter water inside the temple. Why don't you come inside? I'm like, okay, great. So I go inside. He tells everyone what I'm doing and we fill up all my bottles and then one of the monks says, hey, we're about to serve dinner. Would you like to join us? And I'm like, oh, man, I, as you know, as a, as a person who travels by bike, bicycle travel teaches you. It's almost like a, a Buddhist philosophy teaches you to be in the present moment. And why I say that, Sam, is that one, one side of the brain says, well, you have 15 more miles to get to your campsite. You got to get going. It's 530. You loosen light. But the other side of the brain says you never eaten with monks. And these are seven monks that are inviting you. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to stay here. Right. <laughs> so just being in that present moment, like, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I have light. So if I have to travel at night, but when will I be able to sit with seven monks? Right. And I sat with them and and we had a wonderful dinner and a vegan dinner. And, and, and when we were doing the dishes and drying the dishes. One of the monks says, hey, you're welcome to stay with us. Um, you know, it's kind of late to travel at night. I'm like, oh, awesome. I've never stayed at a temple, at a Buddhist temple. In and Ohio, of all places. In Ohio, <laughs> of all places, right? So, but, but that is part of the Underground Railroad experience because it wasn't just, it was just different people coming together to help a race of people that were enslaved to escape to Canada. And there were whites, there were blacks, there were different races that were helping each other through businesses, through houses, through through temples, through churches, right? So I'm living the experience of the Underground Railroad. So I, I stayed there and, and they told me that at five o'clock I would have to leave because they would do chanting. And I left right at five o'clock. I was walking out and and the main monk was like, hey, how was your night? And I'm like, amazing. And literally it was so peaceful. Now, I think not only because I was, at, I was at a temple, but the night before I actually um, stealth camp at a place where I was enabled in Kentucky, where I was enabled to, to sleep well and to sleep at a place where I'm safe, uh, to sleep at a sacred place. It was very peaceful. And I said, no, it was I, I loved it. I, I enjoyed my night. Stay here. Thank you. And then he says, well, now you have Buddha energy. And, <laughs> and that's how they they sent me off seven months dressed in their apparel. They sent me up and says, now you have Buddha energy. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what can you say? Yeah, it's incredible. It's, I love that. Um, what an amazing experience traveling through the Underground Railroad. But I also was able to stay. When I traveled through history, I like to stay where people stay. The previous mm -hmm. people that traveled the same route, I said, if I could stay at one or two Underground Railroad stations would be amazing. And I was able to, when I got to Ripley, Ohio, there's a famous underground railroad station called Ranking House. And the Ranking House, over 5,000 freedom seekers came through there. And I was number 5,001 because <laughs> I actually got to stay there. And I loved it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I love traveling through that. Um, through the underground railroad, um, through to learn, right? To learn to to connect with people that may have some. Like I will also stop at historical sites, uh, but also going to museums 
and just to do the research. Okay, what happened here in that era? Things that that I know the history on, on books, but like when you go to different towns, there may be stuff that I didn't know about, you know. Yeah. And when I crossed over Louisville, Kentucky. I got to a place called New Albany, a New Albany, Indiana, in Southern Indiana. The reason I stopped there is just to take a picture of a historical um, historical marker that I saw on my research, and it was next to a church. How interesting is that I arrived on a Sunday. If I would have arrived Monday all the way up through Saturday, this experience that I'm about to share would not have happened. So I arrived there trying to take a selfie with the marker. And at 2.30, right at 2.30, the church left, let out on Sunday. And one guy approached me and said, hey, I could help you take the picture if you want a better picture. I'm like, oh, yes. So we took a picture. And then he says, what are you up to? Are you know, I say, I'm, I'm traveling through the Underground Railroad. And I saw this historical marker that I wanted to take a picture. And he said, well, do you know that this church it's part of the Underground Railroad. I'm like, wow. what do you mean? He said, on the bottom of this church, because it's a black church now, but it used to be a Quaker uh, church back then. And he says, on the bottom of this church, there are tunnels. There's two tunnels that the pastor could tell you more about it, but there's also rooms that we... Um, that people used to stay in and there's a back door. So this church is actually on the banks of the Ohio River from that church. On the other side, you could see Louisville, Kentucky, and people will come through the back of the church and go under, uh, again, the, the, the basement of the church, and there will be rooms where people were able to stay. But then these two tunnels, right? But anyways, I go inside, spoke to this pastor, and the pastor said, uh, thank you for doing this. I have a book that I want to show you. So we walked around this whole uh, church. It's pretty big. We couldn't find that book. And all of a sudden, he opens a trap door. And I'm like, whoa, where are we going? I said, well, we're going into the Underground Railroad. And that was like amazing. So I went down there and he showed me the tunnels that I was telling you about. And these tunnels, one of them went into across the street. There used to be an army uh, hospital where the nurses used to come down and obey the freedom seekers, right? Because that way other people would not know that this church was part of the underground. No one knew that this church was part of the underground railroad because of these tunnels. And then there another tunnel where uh, freedom seekers will um, escape into the population with new clothes, showered and all that stuff. And no one knew that they were ens um, enslaved Africans. So it was just fascinated to go into actual history. And I was only able to do it by the bicycle, right? We talked about the bicycle and the only way for me to connect with people at a slower pace was the bike. If I would have gone through the car, I would have taken that picture, I would have gone. But because I was struggling, my bike fell, I'm taking the photo. The guy saw that I was struggling and he approached me and said, can I help you, right? Mm -hmm. And then me and him connected and then he told me, go inside and speak to the pastor. And then the pastor uh, took me through this experience of going on the Underground Railroad. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's wild too um, when you travel in a self-sufficient way, you know, um, sometimes when you get into those tough situations where you're out of water and it's hot or it's getting dark that the universe presents things for you. You know, it, sometimes it solves your problem. And I've experienced that too, where I've you know, been lost somewhere, for example, and you're starting to freak out, right? <laughs> like, oh my goodness, where am I going to sleep tonight? I don't know where I am. My GPS isn't working. You know, I'm off, off route. And then the universe presents an old guy in a pickup truck driving by <laughs> who can give you directions, you know? Yeah, um, that happens. I, and then sometimes yep. 
sometimes the universe says, well, you'll figure it out. Right. Yeah. And, and sometimes we figure it out without people. Um, and, and that makes us, makes us stronger and our character now evolves. Right. And we evolved as human beings because now we're like, oh man, I'm a little stronger than I thought. Right. <laughs> and, and maybe that was the right. Yeah. So, but yeah, sometimes it's that. So and yeah. either way you're going to have, you're going to have a lesson from it or you're going to have a story to tell, you know, <laughs> <laughs> either way, either way, correct. That's, that's I love it. So have you, so the underground railroad trip, I, I want to talk about the bicycle corps and the Buffalo soldiers as well, but I feel like we're going to run out of time. So yeah. I want to have you back to talk about that. If that okay. works sometime. Yeah, that works. I, I want to hear about some of the other trips. I know you've traveled elsewhere in the United States and even outside of the country. So Correct. tell me, tell me where else have you gone? What, what else, what other trips stand out to you and kind of what was, what was the motivation and, and the reasoning and the history behind, you know, some of your other travels? Yeah. Again, like I've always been fascinated with history. Even when I was a kid, um, my mom, when I was 12 years old, took me on a trip to to Mexico. And the only purpose was to see the pyramids and the temples of Mayan and Aztec civilization. So she hired a guide and that's all we did. Like uh, walk up pyramids and temples and that changed my world, right? And I think my mom understood that. I always said to my friends, my mom was like the perfect mom for me. And when I say that, it's like, I don't know if another mom would have been able to handle my spirit. And, <laughs> and the way she handled it was um, she guided me, right? She guided me to, to like, like, hey, this guy, my me, right? This guy is an explorer. This guy loves history. And she guided me to, to places like, hey, let's go see, you know, the pyramids of, of Mayan and Aztec civilization. And, and we did many trips around the country and the world um, through history. And that's where my love for traveling through history came about. And for the most part, I like to connect history with bicycle traveling. And that's where the idea of traveling the bicycle core and paying homage to them um, came alive about 10 years ago. But uh, one of my favorite trips was also one of my shortest trip was traveling around the island of Puerto Rico. So I like to go, I love traveling through islands because yeah. I grew up by the water. I, I grew up by the Pacific Ocean and um, I just love traveling and I love the beach. So I was like, if I could travel through history, it would be great. But if I could travel around an island, it's amazing. So I've always been fascinated with Puerto Rico, uh, with the people of Puerto Rico, the culture of Puerto Rico, the food of Puerto Rico. So uh, I was like, I wonder if I could travel around the coastal towns of Puerto Rico. And I was able to do that. And that was probably one of my favorite trips. Again, one of my shortest trips, but to be able to enjoy bicycle traveling, like if it's hot, I'm going to jump into the water yeah. and take a dip. And it doesn't matter how long I could take a dip because I have no rush. Right. And then to pull over on the side of the road and have coconut water, cold coconut water, and then just sit down and, and drink that. Right. Or empanadas or anything. You know, they have a drink called Mavi. Mavi is like um, it's almost like kombucha, which means it's like a fermented drink that was goes by back to the Tainos. And the Tainos were the original people of Puerto Rico, the original people um of the Caribbean, the Tainos. And uh, they used to make this fermented drink that till this day gets served on the side of the road. And I just, again, love it. Love what? traveling through Puerto Rico. And I've done it twice and would like to do it again. So what, what, what years did you, uh, with those trips in Puerto Rico? So Puerto Rico, 2015 after, so I completed 
the Underground Railroad November of 2014. And then literally the next year in January or February, I went to Puerto Rico. So that's 2015. And I did it again in 2019. I, I, you know, I, I just asked that. I'd be interested to see because uh, they've been the very tragically the hurricane that came through last year. I know, um, you know, they're still recovering from that. So I'd be interested to see, you know, what's what's changed you know, hundred percent. And in 2019, when I did it, it was uh, Hurricane Maria okay. uh, had hit yeah. Puerto Rico before that. And um, yeah, so it's it's incredible the resilience um, of of I think Puerto Rico as a country and the Puerto Rican people as well, because right. um, you know it's in the it's right in the line of fire for hurricanes. Um, I yeah. mean, uh, not not every year, but really frequently, you know, and especially right. fortunately with the way that our our climate is changing, it's probably going to get tougher, you know, for them, um, going uh, forward, uh, but they, they always bounce back and it's, it is a beautiful country. Um, so that's, that's, yeah. that's incredible. Have you traveled any other islands? So um, no. Um, so I have, uh, I, I want to do the big Island. So I have yeah. many, if you get in my head, Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii is next, especially now that I live on the, on the Pacific side of the, of the country on the, Just a on short the western hop side on of the water, <laughs> short hop on the water. And I've been wanting to take my wife and my son, to Puerto Rico, I mean, to, to Hawaii, to the big island. And yeah, so I usually, what I do is uh, just like when I went to Puerto Rico in 2019, I went there for two weeks, but the week before my wife came, I travel around the island because it's 400 miles. So <laughs> I, I rushed it and then she arrived and I want to do the same thing with Hawaii. Um, yeah. So I probably arrive a week before, go around the island and then bring my family over. Uh, but now I have a son and a wife. So I, I like to involve them um, on outdoor experiences, but but traveling by bike, well, I, I think I would travel by bike as long as I can. If I'm if if I could travel by bike while I'm you know if I'm a hundred years old, and I could <laughs> still travel by bike. Uh, it will be uh, a dream, and um, yeah, I, it will. It's, it's it's in my blood now, and it probably will be in uh, in my son's blood as well. <laughs> Let's hope. And uh, and and when is Alaska? Because you said you've been to every state but Alaska. Yeah. Is that is that I've right? Been to it. So I've you got to do an Alaska state. trip at some point, so, right? So yeah, Alaska <laughs> might be up. Uh, I was invited to go to do a trip next year in Alaska. So my hope is that um, that July next year, Alaska uh, will manifest. Uh, we already have an idea of of when and where we're going. So, but you know, one of my trips. I'm originally from Panama. And that's where my okay. accent come. And a lot of people are like, where's your accent? So I'm originally <laughs> from Panama and I've always wanted to go from, from LA to Panama. So yeah. uh, that, I think that's about five years from, from now. Um, again, with the birth of my son, I, I want to spend a lot of times and I want him to travel. So uh, my wife, she's so, she's so awesome. She's like, you still got to do that trip. <laughs> and she's so encouraging. And she's like, well, maybe we wait till uh, our son is a little older where he could, Maybe we they fly to different capital cities of those, um, you know, of Mexico and Nicaragua yeah. and El Salvador. Me and I meet up with them along the way, sp spend a week with them and then continue into Panama. That's always been a dream that I, I, I hope that if I could do one last trip, that that would be from here to Panama. No, I, I, I love Mexico. <laughs> Um, yeah. and, and Central America, I, I think also is just super, super underrated. Um, but Mexico has such a rich culture and culture and such a diversity of, of people, but also of landscape and geography, you know, Mexico has, you got tall mountains and you've got the best beaches in the world and you've got hot, dry deserts and it's, 
it's an incredible, it's an incredible country, um, full of diversity yes. and yeah. So, yeah. So, so it would be great to travel, uh, through Central America. Um, I'm connected to the land of Central America and I traveled through some of those countries as a kid. So it will be great to, to travel and do that trip. I, 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 now I'd be, I'd be remiss if I, if I didn't talk a little bit about, um, you know, your, your gear and your setups for some of these trips. Um, yeah. As far as uh, obviously you're you're a big bike guy, but um, talk talk me through a little bit like the planning for that. You know what what type of bike do you bring? Um, do you travel super light? Do you do you bring everything in the kitchen sink? <laughs> talk to me a little mm. about that. So I have done both. I'm gonna connect over here. I've done both. I um, travel with the kitchen kitchen sink before, <laughs> uh, but now now I have it dialed in. I think. Uh, 14 years of traveling by bike. Give you an explanation. So my first trip, I think I had about 70 pounds yeah. worth worth of gear. And I met someone, uh, his name is Bob and Bob owns, this is one of my first trip when I was going from Vancouver, Canada to Tijuana, Mexico. And, and Bob who owns PT Cyclery in Port Townsend, uh, Washington. I went in there just to ask him some directions. And then he tried to move my bike and he was like, wow, <laughs> this is this is freaking heavy. <laughs> and, um, and he said, and I just met this guy, right? So 15 minutes into our conversation, the guy was like, open all your paneers and I want to see what you have. And I'm like, who is this guy? Right. <laughs> but, but I'm always open to, to, you know, especially people that have experiences. So, um, a lot of people, when you're crossing the Pacific coast, you go through Port Townsend. So he's seen a lot, right? So, um, you know, he will go like, okay, you don't need this. Why are you carrying three books? And why you have a pair of jeans? Like, uh, and I'm like, oh, when I go to towns, so I want to wear my pair of jeans. Is that when you get to town, you know, wear whatever you have on, <laughs> go to sleep and, and, and books, they're like blocks. Like you're so tired that you barely could read like at the end of the day, you know? So I'm like, okay. So I shipped a lot of things and we went from 70 to like 35 pounds. Oh, wow. And that's a big, and I, big adjustment until this day we we have stayed in communication and i always tell him the story that he saved well not only did he save me going climbing up those big mountains in in the pacific coast right in the um northern pacific like uh washington oregon and and northern california that have these big climbs he saved because i don't know if i would have been able to carry that much weight <laughs> uh but also it made me enjoy the trip that 14 years later i'm still traveling by bike because now i have the fundamentals of like okay what what to take and what not to take and i'm so um blessed that he came um and told me this stuff right and that, that he felt confident enough to tell me like hey you guys should send this home <laughs> uh but now now sam I, I i like to go light i don't know about ultra light but i go as light as i as as, as possible yeah i go as light as possible so i just take the fundamentals right like so now I travel with a big Agnes, a bikepacking. I used to go with two people, 10. Now I go with one person, 10. Um, and everything, um, you know, even ounces. Uh, and no, not only ounces, but spaces, right? Spaces mm -hmm. in the paneer um, where I'm able to put other things. And I, what I do carry more is food because I'm traveling through remote places that may not have yeah. uh, a plant-based or a vegan um, option. So I do carry more food than I used to in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And do you, um, do you do a lot of research and planning before the trip on, on places you're going to stop and, and such, or, or do you kind of wing it? Uh, I've talked to people who do both. So I'm curious. Yeah, I think that, 
so both, right? So I do the research when it comes to historical routes. And nowadays I've, I've just traveled through history. Um, it's, so I have to do research of where the next stop is and all that stuff. But I don't like to do the research of, of elevations and things like that because uh, I'd rather just deal with that as I go. But, but historical research, I do. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I do a lot of that. That's great. Well, we're going to wrap up here relatively soon, but I'm curious what, what advice you might have for whether it's uh, an experienced bike traveler or, or someone who's, who's interested in, in getting started. What, uh, what words of wisdom from your many years of experience? I always tell people that bicycle traveling teaches you to, to be comfortable outside your comfort zone. And, and what I mean by that is just, you just have to be open to experiences and be flexible. And that's where the magic happens when you are flexible because it's hard to travel by bicycle, but it's hard to travel by bicycle when you have expectations, when you have goals, when you, you know, we just be open, right? So just like the stories that I mentioned um, where the the monks decided, hey, you could stay at our temple. And I could have easily said, no, I want to go stay at the campsite, but I would have missed out that opportunity of, of learning about a different culture, a different religion that I'm not aware of. And, and I'm so glad that I did. Um, so yeah, so bicycle traveling teaches you to be comfortable outside your comfort zone. And whatever that means, if you could just have that quote from, from me when you're traveling, um, then you'll, you'll realize what I'm talking about. You, you, you'll start enjoying your trips more and your expeditions more. So yeah. yeah. What, uh, what's next for you? Do you, do you have something on the horizon you're you're thinking of doing or what's uh what's next yeah i have always have um uh, routes in my head enough for like five lifetimes you know like uh, <laughs> there's never so enough time <laughs> there's not never enough but um right now on the next episode when whenever <laughs> i'm able to talk i i wanted to talk about the bicycle core yeah and so that project is taking uh more research than I thought. Mm -hmm. So I completed the route in, in July 24th, uh, but there's a lot of gaps in that history of the bicycle course. So just to give you a teaser uh, and what I'm working on, for me, it wasn't just about the route and it wasn't just about bicycle, like retracing that history. But mine, um, to me, is about giving them, giving them, meaning like the black soldiers, giving them the, the dignity that they didn't get while they were alive, meaning so now I have 20 cyclists. I know 20 of the, of the Buffalo soldiers by name, but what we don't know and what history never told us in 125 years from that expedition is we don't know the face and the names. We don't know what name goes with what face and vice versa, right? So um, three years ago, when I, when I realized and made a commitment that we didn't know the faces and the names of each of the soldiers, I said, man, that sat in me, Sam, because that could have been my great-grandfather. And if that was my great-grandfather, which is somebody's great-grandfather or somebody's grandfather, somebody's father, if that was my great-grandfather, I want the world to know how badass my great-grandfather <laughs> was, right? Yeah. So, um, so I started seeing them as family and I started seeing them like, I'm going to know who your face is and I'm going to tell your story. So three years ago, two years ago, I made a commitment to them, to the Bicycle Corps, that I was going to name everyone while I was still alive. My mission is to name everyone by face and, and by face and name. Right now, with the help of historians, 
we're able to recognize seven of them. So there's 13 that we don't know who they are. Yeah, we know there's names, but I don't know what face goes with yeah. what name. So uh, I cannot continue until the next project, until I'm able to um, able to do that um, for many reasons. For, for me, they're my inspiration as a person of color. They became my heroes. Um, to know that there were black men traveling by bike in 1897, and it wasn't given, they didn't give them, they meaning the books, the history, did not give them the dignity that they deserve. Yeah. As my heroes, I'm going to make sure that everyone knows about them. I want to make sure that my son knows who my heroes are. And I, I can only tell him once I'm able to discover their face and their name and all that stuff, right? So, uh, so my next project is not um, a tour, but it's more of a historical research. And that's what I'm working on. Yeah. That's, that's incredible um, and inspiring and important work. And so yes. <laughs> I'm super glad that you're doing it. And I can't wait to follow and, and, and learn more. Um, and so we're going to have you back certainly Definitely. talk more about the bicycle core, hopefully. Um, so, so listeners can, can watch out for, for that coming up, but, um, in the meantime, where can people follow you and, and keep up to date with, with what you're doing? Yeah. So mainly on social media right now on bicycle underscore nomad. I also have a website that I am going to update and put some of the, the work that I've done for the bicycle Corps and also some of my historical trips. Um, so I'm working on that, but I said to connect with me, uh, on social media, on bicycle underscore nomad. And then I also have a website called I am bicycle nomad. And they could look at some of the stuff there as well. Right. And we'll put all that in the notes yes. for the episode. So, all right, Eric Cedeno, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thank you very much. And I'm looking forward to part two. Absolutely. All right. See ya. All right. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Eric and I hope you're excited for part two, like I am. Thanks for listening and remember to use the code podcast for 10% off at the Bicycle Touring Pro store. Until next time, happy riding.